Baby, come on in here. Welcome to the cookout. <laughs> hey, cookout cousins. How you doing? Hey. I just have one question, y'all. Who made the potato salad? Is that the new girlfriend? Hey. <laughs> like, you remember the last time and last year's cookout girl? She definitely can't come. <laughs> you tried it. Hey, cookout cousins. How y'all doing? It's your girl, Barb, Zaina, Ty. We're back for another week of Welcome to the Cookout. We're excited to be with y'all, to talk with y'all. A lot has gone down in these two weeks. Um, I know we didn't tell y'all this ahead of time, but we did move to a bi-weekly drop schedule. So you're going to hear from us every other week now. But the good thing about that is we'll be able to give you really, really great content uh, with what's been going on in that interim period. So how are y'all doing, Ty? Ty, how are you feeling? I am actually very sleepy. I Listen, y'all, this won't happen in my plant, but like I've been trying to assist somebody with a paper. I am so triggered and traumatized. Like I pulled two all-nighters. This ain't even my paper. I really felt like I was back in Iowa writing this dissertation. (laughs) So I am tired. Like my body is still like, all right, sis, we need to go back to bed. Let's go. I feel that. I feel that. Zayna, how you feeling? Zayna's shaking her head because y'all know she's not a morning person, y'all. We always have her here early in the morning. early. We are such foul friends. How you feeling, Zayna? I feel like somebody ran me over. I don't know why. My body <laughs> just knows when it's Saturday. My body knows when it's Saturday and I be sleep, sleep. But Ty, like there's a short, short list of people that I'm finna help with a paper. And that's just period. Like short list. If it ain't high school, you know what I'm saying? A little cute little <laughs> summary. No, nah, I'm not doing it. And it's a short list. Girl, he's in a master's program. I text him. Nope. I was just like, listen, I never want to do this again. I love you, but I never want to do this again. Respect I'll read over you. it. I'll read over it. Be like, you need to fix this. Mm-hmm. This don't sound right. I don't like, but we ain't finna be looking for sources. We not doing none of that. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. Girl. Because when I was in school, did nobody do it for me? <laughs> for me? <laughs> I was looking up all these this stuff facts. myself. No. Perfect. I so I'm fine. I'm doing good. We still in the land of the living. Come on. Come on, somebody. And that's important because everyone didn't make it to see today. So we have yeah, to be People great. died and they never died before. Done. Folks is dropping. Done. That's not. We're not even going to touch it. We're not going to touch it. That's, we, a you, that's a true statement. That's a true statement. It is true. People are dying who have never died before. Thank that you. Thank you. I'm not. We're not. We're not going to do that on today. Um, Zaina, why don't you let us know who is coming to the cookout? Who you got on this list? Girl? Yes. Okay. So first up, I've been trying to learn how to correctly pronounce this name because I know that us as Americans, we put different inflections on different syllables. Barbara's always getting on to us in, in the most like, okay, here y'all go. These damn Americans, like, they can't never like say the shit right. So, Barbara, can you please tell me how to correctly pronounce this man's name? Uh, yeah, so Dr. Michael Obang. Obang. Okay. okay. I would have never said that. Thank you. 
you are a part of the bliss. So Dr. Michael Obang, this is doctor who helped what we now know as the Gorilla Glue situation, also known as Gorilla Glue Girl. This is her doctor. If I'm not mistaken, he's a doctor out in California, specifically LA, and he has a chemistry background. I don't know if that's his full profession as far as like um, chemistry focus, but I know he has a chemistry background. I read about that. And he is the doctor who performed her procedure for free. Um, for the free. It got her, <laughs> got her glue loosened. I remember seeing a quote and he was like, you know, um, you know, everything is a chemistry. Um, everything is a chemistry, uh, can I say syllable? problem like you can always break down compounds you can always break down you know ingredients in a certain way you just have to know what you're doing and, and it's spoken like a true black man like we love that because it's like it's possible everybody's twiddling their thumbs like why y'all act like y'all ain't never took a chemistry class per I was like okay like <laughs> fix it black man we love it Period. so he got he got Period. her hair loosened where she didn't have to cut it off I actually watched a short video I never saw her original video of her talking like about her hair. I just saw like a bunch of clips and I was like, oh my God, like I'm not about to do it. But he was able to get her hair loosened uh, where she didn't have to cut it off. And she actually did an interview after um, after the procedure and everything. And people were like, okay, so what are you gonna do to get her now? Like, are you gonna leave it alone? She was like, I'm gonna put, a, I'm gonna put in a ponytail. Like, sis, let it breathe. Like, no. Why not, not go come for sis? Okay. So that's her business. Why not go come for her? But I, she, I didn't know she was a 40-year-old woman. That makes a difference to me. Okay, so we're moving on. So wait, wait, before you, before we move on though, can we also shout out Dr. Michael O'Bang for being one of the few Black physicians in Beverly Hills. We know Beverly Hills and what demographic dominates that area and the only Black plastic surgeon in Beverly Hills and I think it's it's dope for a lot of reasons one he is a smart businessman who saw this opportunity to brand himself in the public yep. eye I love that he uh maximized on that I love that he offered to do it for free obviously doing it for free is going to bring him a lot much more revenue in the future so I'm just here for this from multiple perspectives from the business mind uh him being West African him being a black man and being in Beverly Hills operating with these rich white folk I'm here for it so I stand I stand it's a quick pub for me it's a quick it's a quick <laughs> Also, also, can we talk about how the amount of care they gave to her scalp, even after he got all the Gorilla Glue out, like from the conditioning to the, I mean, it takes a Black physician. When we say Black doctors matter, this is what we're talking yeah. about. We're talking about people who care, not just about the health implications of the patient. Also, the beauty aesthetic. Also, knowing the differences in our hair and what that means and, and how she's going to go back into the world. He took care when it came to all parts of that procedure. I'm here yeah. for it. We love it. I'm we love him. We very, stand him. Very quick. He, he's also fine. We can come Big it. sign, he's baby. We gotta come back. Period. 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 He's a big sign. Doctor Obey. Okay. Honey. Hello, Doctor. How you doing? Y'all are a mess. Yes, honey. Very quick side note. I went to a new gynecologist um like last week. She's a black woman. And I just have I had such amazing experience with that lady. Like 
it was great. And so I just I just want to reiterate that black doctor black doctors matter. Okay. Period. Okay. Next up for the invite list is Dave Chappelle. So I'm gonna be ah. taking a I'm gonna be I still haven't seen his comedy show, but like that's not because of him. <laughs> it has nothing to do with him. I actually, we talked about that. He's cringy. Like he can be I'm very a fan. cringy at times. I'm a fan. I'm a fan of him as a person. As a person, right. Yeah. right, right. So I'm reading. Um, I'm going to be reading excerpts from CBS News. Um, they published an article. Um, the headline goes: uh, "I got my name back." Dave, Dave Chappelle announces his return to comedy show Netflix. Um, the Dave the Dave Chappelle show will be turning to well, will be returning to Netflix according to the comedian. In a ten minute video he posted to Instagram late Wednesday, Dave Chappelle announced that his flagship show will return to the streaming service on Friday. I'm amazed that his show is coming back. How long has it been since he's been on the air? It hasn't been that long. So he boy I don't want to misspeak. I feel like it was last year, right? Where he ran that uh I don't want to call it a campaign, but but telling people to stop right to boycott me right so i think that was late last year so they pulled everything and then he came to an agreement um i think with viacom where now he is the sole proprietor of his content and now he can profit off of its streaming i think that's absolutely dope it's wild that people were making money off his name and he couldn't make money off his the name music that, business that was just, is a different type yeah. of beast the article also continues to, um, to say in quotes I asked you to stop watching the show and thank God Almighty for you. You did. You made the show worthless because without your eyes, it's nothing. Chappelle told the audience, and when you stopped watching it, they called me and I got my name back and I got my license back and I got my show back and they paid me millions of dollars. Thank you so much. He needs much. to put that into a scholarship. He needs to put that into a scholarship, sir. Wow. Wow. Find some education around here. Wow. I'm here. Um, Dave yeah, is one of the few um, famous folk who has been very public about their um, issues and discrepancies within their contracts to this degree. You know, we always hear different stars talking about, you know, this was a bogus contract or, you know, it wasn't a good working environment. You know, they keep it really cute. And I think it's a part of the male privilege, specifically the black male privilege, to be able to be out here up front telling what your issues are with your employer, with um, the different people that you're doing business with, and that not tarnish your name. I know that there have been many of black women who have done the same, and it ruined them in an, in an effort to, to tell their story and tell how they were mistreated. It ruined them. Um, but I know several black men who have done the same in they're fine. You know, there were some bumps in the roads, but like they still can get hired for jobs. So I I appreciate Dave because he seems like the most genuine of the bunch um, and was very open about his struggles and he ended up winning. And so I love that. And this sets precedent, precedent for other folks to come behind them, behind him and make it right and stand up for yourself. So I'm here for it. I agree. I agree. We welcome Dave to the cookout. He has to leave the cringy jokes. Please. I don't want to hear him when I'm That's walking Dave. by the spades table. I know, but David. can we not? It's David. <laughs> not that <it's> David. <laughs> That's how David is. Black people love saying somebody's full name. That's bad. <laughs> yeah, that's him. 
So I hear Oh, that. go ahead, Barb. No, 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 no. Go I was just getting ready for who who can't come, whose invite is revoked. Ty. I'm ready. Please bring us in. I'm ready. Um, so first on the list, I don't care if y'all like him or not. Funk Flex can't come. Funk Flex can't be there. Funk Funk Flex has been questionable for a while now. First of all, let me say, I was maybe. Okay, wait. Can I interject? Who is Funk Flex? (laughs) Funk Flex is. Lord, I'm sorry, y'all. If I should know this, don't take my blood. I don't know either. You, how do y'all not know Funk Flex? So no. Funk Flex is a DJ. His birth name is Ash, Aston George Taylor Jr. I actually like that name, Aston. Aston is a nice Aston name. is a very I nice like name. the core. Um, but he's a DJ up north. Um, oh, so historically, he became host of the first hip-hop radio show on Hot 97 in New York, which was pop at the time. Um, and so I just oh. know him from music uh watching different shows and you hear his name being mentioned okay it never really dawned on me there was a show that was out back in the i won't say back in the day day like that but like the breakfast club was featured on it and it had to be based out of new york because they were beefing with another radio station and it was funk flex's station and there was this whole thing like they were saying that he is like he's trash apparently but he's been in the media for like Comments that he's made, beef he's trying to start, all the things. Is he like a heavier black man? I think you might be talking about. I want to be talking about academics. Maybe I don't know. I'm getting flashbacks, but continue. He he might be heavier because so that's what we talk about. But Flex just went under the needle and got him a little plastic surgery done. That's fine, bro. Do you? Y'all know I've been trying to get my body done for the longest. The issue is he went public with it, which is fine. That's your business. But when people started dragging him, oh, I did it because you know other people did it to my knowledge, like Drake and Kanye and LL Cool J. Sir, who asked you to put these people's business out here? Who? Who asked you? Who asked you to do this, sir? Okay, so let me get this straight. He had surgery, he had surgery. and went public mm-hmm. with it. He's getting clowned mm-hmm. for it, and now is like throwing other people's personal business out. That's why he can't come to the cookout, okay. sir. Okay, so he just can't hold water. <laughs> so we're, our issue is he might take what we talking about the cookout listen, and take it else. Listen, unacceptable. All right, listen. Okay. What's sad at the cookout stays at the cookout. What goes on at the cookout stays at the cookout. You okay, I hear you, business. sis. I don't know him, so it don't make me know. Never mind if he's present or not, but but I do want my business to stay in house. So. I love how you just said it don't make me know. Never mind, but when I said people dying and they never died before, you was like all up in arms <laughs> and stuff. Pick a side. Pick a side. I just missed y'all. I'm causing problems. I'm like Barb. Okay, right. like it don't make me know. Never mind if he's there or not. Cause I don't know who he is. <laughs> and so, like, because I, I know his name, I'm not like a, oh my gosh, he has to go listen to Funk Flex. Like, DJs up north don't do it like that for me. Literally, when I was listening to The Breakfast Club, though, and I just happened to look it up and revisit it, oh, yeah, that's what they were beefing with. Because if y'all ever listen to The Breakfast Club and you hear the Donkey of the Day segment, and Charlamagne is like, drop on the clues bombs. And I'm like, why is that a thing? Because apparently Funkmaster Flex has his own set of bombs that he's known for in the music world. So when introducing tracks and stuff, and because they don't like him, they want to make sure it's a clues bomb, not a flex bomb. But you know, 
that was just funny to me. Also oh. shows me the depth of how petty Charlemagne can be. Um, so that's that. <laughs> next. So, but this next person, I'm not going to say that she can't come, but she's going to be sitting right at that table with Erica Campbell, who we had over there, DJ Luke Nasty. We had somebody else over there, you know, we got a special table. For the I, I sat Beyonce over there too, but y'all had a problem. I do have a problem with that, and that's not where B will be sitting. Thank you. She's not sitting with the problematic people, but um, is it is it pronounced Tessica? I think so. I think Tessica's how okay. it is. So Tessica Brown is going to be right at that table. And for those who do not know who Tessica Brown is, Gorilla Glue Girl. Well, actually, she's Gorilla Glue Lady if she's 40 years old. No, no. It's just this, you know, that common sense ain't common. I don't care. And she got merch. Listen, girl, no. No, no. Okay, but why can't she have why can't she have merch though? Like what? So we're pro- can, are right. we allowed to capitalize on tragedy? Just lacks, are we is lacks. it tragedy or stupidity? It lacks. Is lacks. it tragedy or stupidity? Lacks. Because tell you me, know what? did you put gorilla glue in your hair? Okay, and so I'm going to tell y'all the truth. My initial thought was I don't feel bad for her because she's stupid. And I said this to a, a close friend and I got checked. I got checked really Why? How? Please tell me. Let me, let me tell y'all how it was phrased to me that one, we're making a lot of assumptions about her intellect. We're making a lot of assumptions as educated people not understanding that there's a spectrum when it comes to the things people know and don't know. And there are areas of our life where people assumed we should know things that we didn't know and vice versa. And so for the entire world to be calling her and labeling her stupid or dumb or the word ignorant, she didn't feel a way about because she said we all are ignorant about something and she thinks that applies, but to call her stupid or dumb, it wasn't ableist. I forget the word that was used specifically, but it basically describes like an intellectual prejudice that people can have against people who don't have the same level of intellect as them and I was like okay I never thought about it from that perspective you're right my initial thought was dang she's stupid and then you're right maybe that was insensitive uh to say I don't know it was posed to me it made me think so (laughs) I'm I'm not thinking past that because and I need to find the article um but there was one when she was detailing and she was saying she it's like it was giving the indication that she knew it wasn't for her hair but she was saying oh I'm just gonna wash it out when I get home so you willingly did this like you you went into this knowing that this was not going to be okay I found it I found it this is this was her response to me um this is very triggering all of this intellectual superiority is actually ignorant the differently abled and more simple are amongst amongst us and we make life extremely hard for them because they don't present as visibly different and so her, her argument is you can assume someone's intellect by looking at them, but just because they're not visibly appearing different, it's kind of hard to navigate. Yes, go ahead, Ty. I love <laughs> you. I love you. I got you. I'm going to also say that your friend sounds like one of those people who have an issue holding others accountable, and that's what's wrong with a lot of people in this world. <laughs> <Dang>. <laughs> I'm, Accountability. The guns blazing. Accountability. No, because this is an adult. Like this is this is an adult. Like that. No. So is it not possible? So is there a way to hold her accountable without calling her stupid or dumb? Here's the thing. I I won't call her stupid or dumb. I think the act was dumb. I'm not going to say that she was dumb, 
but the act within itself. And I think maybe, so maybe that's, let me be clear. I'm not saying anything about the person per se, but the act that was committed, no. That's not okay. That, that, that don't matter. Okay. I hear you, Chad. Um, I hear you. So she can come. She just, she need to do her own yes. thing. At the she need to be at the table with Erica Campbell. Where she, would that be monitored? Monitored. Okay. Um, I may well scream it. I'm dead. <laughs> uh, this last one is kind of old. Like the news is old, right? Everyone heard Offset come out with the whole, oh, you know, shoes weren't popular before. Like with the Nikes and stuff weren't popular till I started wearing them. Everybody was wearing designer. This is old, but as I was moving and looking in my closet and moving stuff, I just got upset all over again. Sir, who was wearing what? You made what popular? Sir. Come look in my closet. Sir. Let's not do this. You at this, and this is This is the offset. The, the offset that belongs to Cardi. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. He, he made Cardi B. He does. <laughs> and does. And does. Okay. <laughs> but that's that on that on the end. I didn't want him there anyway because he probably was gonna hit on somebody's cousin and then get cut and it was gonna be a lot of drama. It was gonna be drama because so. you know Cardi gonna show up and she gonna think it's the girl fault. So we ain't got no you know exactly. We, so we, we just gonna hit him move on. He don't need to be present. I'm fine with that. <sighs> um okay, y'all. So we're about to get into it. We're gonna get into the cookout conversations. Uh, We have some very unique topics for this week. So very quick scenario that I want to preface with. There is this group on Facebook. Y'all know I'm a part of all these little different groups. Anyway, where this white woman who has a white child took her white daughter to the park and her white daughter was playing with a black Barbie doll. And another white lady came up to her and critiqued her daughter having this black Barbie doll saying that that's cultural appropriation, that you should not be allowing your white child to play with black Barbies. So she uh, explained the scenario and she posed it to the group like, is that considered cultural appropriation that I wanted my black, my white daughter, excuse me, to play with black Barbie dolls or to be exposed to different raced um, Barbie dolls. And so what are you all's thoughts? Is that cultural appropriation? Is she wrong? Should the daughter only see white Barbie dolls? What y'all think? Um, I think a healthy childhood as it relates to Barbies or, you know, figures should include um, diversity as well, just like the world. I, should, I feel like that should be very reflective. I feel like the problem is when <clears throat> you only allow your child to, to play with one type of race of doll. So... I think that definitely is a problem. But I I think it's a great idea that she is allowing her white daughter to play with black Barbies because I think in a child's mind that helps to it 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 transitions over into adulthood because black Barbies, black figures were a part of your childhood. I know for me, like I was deep into the Barbie game. Like I did not want to let it go. I played with Barbies until I was like 13, 14 with no shame because I just did not want to let it go. It was a vital part of my childhood. And I love that. Um, I also highly doubt that that mother only has her child playing with black Barbies. Also, that child has a choice in the matter, right? You can't make a child play with something that they don't want to play with. So obviously the child has a desire to um, have black figures as it relates to toys in her childhood. And that's something that she uh, sees beauty in. That's something that she wants to carry around, something that she um, has ownership over. 
And I think that's amazing. And if that child has black dolls, then the child is more likely to have black friends or friends that look like the doll. And so what does that look like? I think in a child's mind, if like my doll, this black doll is one of my favorite toys. If I meet a black person that looks similar or I see a connection, you know, there's a certain type of thing that happens in a child's mind where that transitions over. I think it's amazing. I think it's good. Also, I played with white dolls for a long time. And like, here I am. Wow. A fully functioning person. Imagine that. <laughs> I hear that. I, I did not play with Barbie dolls. That is not my ministry. I grew up thinking they were evil. Uh, still do. However, I agree with you completely, Zayna. I don't think that this is cultural appropriation. I don't see the issue in it at all. Ty, from like a developmental standpoint, like what are your thoughts with this child playing with this Black Barbie doll? I think it uh, helps with socialization, right? Uh, as what the, the world is not filled with white people. I mean, they may want it that way, but the world is not filled with white people. When this young lady is in her classes and she's matriculating, that's, it's not going to be just white students. Um, and so I do help, think it helps with the uh, socialization piece. I also think it allows for an educational conversation to occur at home, right? So why does this Barbie look different than my other Barbie dolls? You know, um, and even depending on the age of the child, if the child were older, like the idea that there may be some people who don't like her playing with black dolls. Okay, so what, what's underneath that? So I think it can help with having some difficult conversations in terms of the uh, racial socialization of children. I love that you brought that up. Obviously, we know Dr. Uh, Tymeer, uh, with her professional expertise, is going to kind of bring in the developmental aspect of uh, what it looks like as children grow and and how we fit into society. That is a great point. It's an excellent way to teach your kids race. It's an excellent way to teach your kids about bias. And I think that that should be the topic of conversation we're having are what are some unique ways we can introduce difficult concepts to kids at an earlier um, earlier age. I think it's wonderful that you brought that up. Um, I don't have anything else to, to add to that. So I'm just gonna navigate us to our next topic. Okay, we are here to protect Chloe Bailey at all, at all costs, at all costs. I will fight over okay, Chloe. I really would. I would throw hands. <laughs> Literally would yeah. throw hands, y'all. So we did bring up Chloe Bailey in our last episode. Zayna, you know, discussed the challenges that she had participated in, like the silhouette challenge, the busted challenge. Um, and even more recent than that, she was like kind of in underwear and a t-shirt and was burning sage and just being fun and free. Since then, though, she did get on live and y'all made her cry. Okay, y'all made her cry. And I have some serious issues with, with y'all making her cry in the way that you did and in her being sexualized in the way that she has been sexualized. And then when she leans into her sexuality, y'all critique her for that too. Uh, Zayna sent us this tweet that I found to be absolutely hilarious, calling out Jean Skirt Twitter. And listen, Jean Skirt Twitter, can we get into that? First of all, Zayna, what's Jean Skirt Twitter? Jean, <laughs> thank you, thank you, Dr. Barber, for asking me this question. Jean Skirt Twitter <laughs> is a few different things. So I want to take it back to when, you know, early 2000s, we're all of the age where we remember the early 2000s very vividly. And you remember when jean skirts were, you know, in. Some people were wearing them a little shorter, but there also was a subset of people who were wearing skirts just in general. Okay, they were wearing skirts every day, all right? And they were always to the mm -hmm. ankles. 
at least below the knee. Mm-hmm. And these typically mm-hmm. were the people who were going to church. I'm about to say, you're going to call out the Pentecostal church. They were going to church. Project Project 17 times a week. Okay. Okay. And these were also many of the folks, and I won't be calling out the children because as children, you know, you just follow direction. But this subset of people tends to be a little more judgmental than others. Okay. They have a certain way that women should uphold themselves. They have a certain way that men should navigate. They have these very strict ideas and ideologies. And there's not a lot of movement within that. There's not a lot of intellection. And I say intellection because with intelligence, you know, just like Barbara just pointed out, her friend brought her a different perspective and she began to think through that and critically turn that over in her head. Whereas this subset of people, that doesn't happen. I know what I know and you can't change that. And if you try to change that, I'm going to double down tenfold. This this is Jean Skirt Twitter. Okay. Twitter. Okay. <laughs> Thank okay. you. Thank, we have thank a little split. And I wanted to razzle dazzle. But period. And, and the split, half the time the split at the bottom ankle had another patch in it, it anyway. So what was the point of that split? For razzle dazzle. What was the point of that split? For razzle dazzle. <laughs> moral of the story is jean skirt, Twitter, sit down somewhere. Sit down somewhere. Please. All right. Sit down somewhere. All of y'all lack context when it comes to scripture and we're not going to unpack that because that's a whole episode in itself, okay? Y'all lack context. And if you think that you are in a position to judge Chloe into silence, well, I'm going to let you know y'all going to have to go through the three of us because the three of us, we ain't here for it. We are not here for it. Do y'all have any thoughts, any thoughts about, about Chloe crying or just her, you know, kind of discussing the sexualization of her videos um, and how she processed that with us on live? I'm kind of upset that she was crying. Like when she cried, because I didn't see that live. Like, was she crying into like money? Like, was she wiping her face with money? <laughs> because I don't understand why we're crying over the opinion of broke folks. I think it's I think it's nuanced, right? Like she and Chloe, she and Chloe, she and Hallie are now finally kind of growing into womanhood. So she's 22, turning 23, and Chloe's 20, turning 21. Hallie, excuse me, is 20, turning 21 they've been in the spotlight since they were children, like literally children. And so now they're exploring what womanhood looks like, femininity looks like, what their bodies look like, what attention looks like. And people are glamorizing them now, not just for their voices, but for those bodies, right? I think that- We got body. And the body, yaddy, yaddy, okay? And, And I think that she is stuck in two worlds of like, I wanna be able to be my free self and grow and experience femininity in front of the world because the world has been my stage for so long now but whoa there's this pushback with me doing that and now I'm being um cast typed or like put in this box of like thirsty or thirst trapping or I want attention and I don't want any of those things right I just want to be my fun carefree loving self and that's what brought her to tears on live is that she doesn't really understand how the world is viewing her versus how she's viewing herself um and it was heartbreaking it was heartbreaking to watch um, very quickly, I think that social media just plays a really huge part in a young woman, specifically her development. And I think back to if Beyonce is her mentor, right? I think back to the time when Beyonce has always been sexy, but there became a time where she was even more like pushing the envelope and she was doing even more, you know what I mean? And so, but social media wasn't a huge part of her upbringing as far as like her transitioning into 
um, the limelight. And so now that social media is a part of that, like that's a part of a young woman's experience, especially if you got body, yaddy, yaddy. Like, I wish I had my 20, 22, 22, 22 or 21-year-old body. Like, I wish I had that. I didn't know what I had when I had it. And like, they need to just back off Chloe. Like, leave the girl alone. She is 22 years old. She's being young. She's being carefree. Yes, she was a child star, but now she's no longer. Like, she's 21 years old. She's able to drink and go anywhere she wants to at this point, except for the 25 and up club. So, like, mind your business. Mind your business. What's the problem? Mind your business. Okay, jean skirt, Twitter, go Please. have a seat. And that's that on that on that on that, all right? Uh, while we're talking about uh, judgment and judgmental folks, I'm going to transition us into Kiki Wyatt. So oh. Kiki Wyatt... <laughs> <laughs> is under fire in the limelight for some comments that she made. I do want to play the clip just so we can give our audience some context. So I'm going to play it now and then I'm going to get uh, y'all's feedback afterwards, okay? People have been, you know, segregated, uh, persecuted, hunted down, killed, stolen from, uh, humiliated. Uh, so through the... Can you let me finish? Because you so won't let me finish. People, when you talk... Honey. When Black you talk, I have been nothing but quiet and respectful. I don't understand. Okay, pro-Black. All right, praise God. Go ahead, sweet sugars. <laughs> now, we love everybody, but then you got your, your certain Black folk that just nigga, 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 so if they you would let me talk, that would be ones, my nigga. Jewish people have been oppressed. Okay. Well, I can keep I can keep going. I'm biracial, damn it. We fucking oppressed. Um, and so that is just to give y'all some insight into a part of the dialogue. This dialogue lasted a lot longer than that, obviously. Uh, but she's under the fire for for her commentary regarding the black experience what oppression looks like for black people um and so for my first question posed to y'all is what are your initial thoughts on her candor in the interview right how she interacted with the other panelists on the topic and then we're going to unpack the content that she stated okay so what are your thoughts um first off with no uh like without seeing the full video obviously at this point people are already fired up so like I don't know how it started you know how the interview um took place as far as like how long all those different things my initial thoughts is um I've seen Kiki like fired up but usually when I see her fired up she like controls herself it's like she gets fired up and then she'd be like you know what let me calm down and that's a that's clear indication of somebody that will like shake your ass. Like, you know what? Let me calm down. Let me sit back because these folks don't know how crazy I am. That's usually how Kiki comes, or that's usually how I see her. Um I I wanna deep dive into the conversation because I I can't say that she's just flat out wrong. I do think she's wrong for continuing to to interrupt the guy and it wasn't a, a productive conversation because she was so, you know, emotionally invested in the story that we never got to hear what the other guy's point was. Although I, I can make an assumption. I can kind of assume what he was trying to say. And Kiki was just like, no, we're not about to do this because I'm tired of hearing it. 
I want to deep dive. I want to hear what y'all have to say because I have more thoughts. But what are y'all thinking? Yeah, I have a lot of thoughts. Um, for one, um, her, I don't want to discredit her emotion, right? Because I think we all are passionate about our own personal experiences. And I don't think that's for anyone else to, to judge as far as our level of passion. I will say similar to Zaina, it was not a productive dialogue. She was rude. She was rude. And if the, the goal in these dialogues is education, it's exposure, it's understanding, it's being solution-oriented, solution-minded, solution minded, then she failed miserably, right? Because in ex expressing her thoughts on her perspective, she missed the mark. She missed the mark to educate people in a way that they could be receptive to that knowledge. So I'm not a fan of how she, how she treated the other panelists. And it wasn't just him. If you do have time to watch the full, the full dialogue, it wasn't just him. She was this way throughout the entire dialogue. Um, that's my first thought. My second thought is when it comes to the content of what she said. But before I talk about that, Ty, what are your thoughts just on her, like I said, her candor? Oh, I, I agree with what y'all said. She was rude. She, that, it, she was rude. She was over the top. And similar to Zayn, like, I, I get it. I, I think I kind of have an understanding of what she was trying to say or trying to get at. Also, also it invalidates, but we'll deep dive into that. But yeah, as a, as a whole, yeah, these types of conversations get very emotionally charged. Can you imagine any one of us being on the panel and doing that? Can you imagine? Yeah, yeah. It's And it's true. And because it's dealing with our humanity, I get why they're so emotionally charged, right? This is my life, my livelihood, my personhood. I'm passionate about protecting that. So I get it. I also think as a diaspora, we don't do enough in acknowledging the unique experience of biracial um, Black presenting people. Um, I think it's important. It is a topic that needs to get discussed and unpacked. They have a unique experience from how they're treated by Black people and how they're treated by white people. And they do stand in this very strange intersection of non-acceptance. And I, and I understand that that was the point she was trying to drive home is that there are lots of different types of people who have been typecasted, who have been oppressed, and it isn't unique to the Black experience. The issue is how she discredited the Black experience in efforts to put on the mantle her own injustice. And there is room in this conversation for all of our injustices, right? All of our versions of oppression can be discussed without one being worse than the other. They all matter. And so I think that is the beginning to where she went wrong. So Zaina, what are your thoughts on the context of what she was saying? You know, she said Black people has made her feel like shit, white people that made her feel like shit. You know, she really has no uh, belonging. What are your thoughts yeah. there? Um, I think when it comes to the biracial experience, and it, it's not something that I have I have experienced firsthand, um, but I do have light skin privilege, right? So I can kind of understand some of those pieces. But when it comes to the biracial experience, I think that as it relates to Black people, overwhelmingly so, we view it as such a high privilege, especially if you have a certain con uh, a certain texture of hair, if you have a certain if you have certain facial features, if you have, you know, certain body type, along with, you know, ethnic facial features or whatever, like there, there's a combination of things that we automatically just typecast into privilege. And when it comes to white people, you know what I'm saying? You're biracial, so you mix with black and white, you're visiting your white family. 
maybe they're accepting, maybe they're not. Maybe they tolerate you, but they also be like, okay, like, you know, here she go because of whatever racist issues that they have within themselves and within their family. So like you said, they're, they're caught in the middle a lot of times. But I think speaking from the Black experience, I think, like you said, we don't give, we don't provide enough space for them to be able to express themselves and talk about their experience because we're so quick to say like, okay, you're privileged, you're mixed, you got this, you got that. And it completely discredits their experience with oppression from both sides. And that, and that has to be hard. It has to be hard. And I can only assume that she was so fired up with it because like you said, this has been her experience her whole life. So it's like, I'm tired of trying to play it safe. I'm tired of trying to like be calm and monotone with y'all because you're not listening to me. And I think, I think it's high time that we have a conversation and truly listen to folks who are biracial because we turn that over in our head at such a high level of privilege that we don't give them any space to speak. And it's hard for them because they are in such a place of privilege. No matter what they say, it's wrong. No matter what you say is wrong. Mm-hmm. You don't understand. You got this. You got this privilege. And every every angle, you're not good enough. You're not enough white. You're not enough black. What are you? I hear that. I hear you saying that we participate in the silencing and the erasure of the experience. And I, I think it's something that has to get talked about. Uh, Ty, what are, your, what are your thoughts? I mean, do you feel that their privilege is not discussed enough? Do you feel like it's they're discussing their privilege overshadows their oppression? Like, where does their story fit in the overall Black experience? Like, what are your thoughts? Um, so, academically speaking, I can say that even in doing research on uh, Black populations and such, that is one of the key things that have been pointed out, right? When we're talking about biracial groups, um, specifically those who identify as Black um, with another race. Um, there is, uh, there's not a lot of research, right? So this is a group that's often overlooked or grouped in with another group just to make things more simple. Um, so I think that within itself is frustrating, right? I have a coworker who just discussed her experiences growing up as biracial and like teachers didn't know how to, to, to push, like they didn't know what group to put her in because people are always looking for a way to categorize. So she has a black father, a white mother, I think it's like this common notion that we automatically identify with the parent who raised us, right? Most often than not, that's your mother. Um, mm-hmm. But she had the experience of having both. And I think now, now she actually identifies as Black, not necessarily biracial. Um, but like there's this whole thing where people are looking to categorize you and place you into one group. I do think that contributes to this um, experience of feeling invalidated, of feeling essentially as if you're erased, as if who you are doesn't really matter. Um, or only one part of you matters. Um, so I can understand if that's how you're socialized into the world, um, if that's how things are modeled for you, that gets frustrating. The challenges that you go through, um, the ways in which your identity is misrepresented or disrespected is not discussed. So I understand how that creates frustration. And I do think like they're, again, as the academic, yes, this is a group that there needs to be more conversation about, right? This is a group that we need to start learning about the experiences of because in white America that we're in today, right? Like that's a thing. That it's, it's a thing, it's something that we're going to have to talk about because if, if you are biracial, but you are black presenting, 
they place you in this category. If you are biracial, but you're light enough to pass, then what is that experience like for you? So I do think that's right. something that needs to happen. <clears throat> yeah, I think you both are bringing up very valid points. It, it kind of reminds me, um, and I know we briefly talked about this in one of our group chats, this NPR um, podcast that I recently listened to, uh, Code Switch. If y'all don't listen to it, I think it's an amazing podcast. Definitely check it out. But the episode from February 3rd was titled, Who's Black Enough for Reparations? And in the discussion, they were bringing out a lot of academics and politicos who are um, fine tuning what legislation could potentially look like if we were to pursue, you know, move forward with the idea of reparations and who is considered black enough. I think in these conversations, it, it reminds me of that because again, we're kind of saying that they're not black enough to really have experienced the black things that we've experienced, but also they're not white enough to completely get away from the black things we've experienced. So where do they fall? Where do they fall in this dialogue? I agree that all of that is valid. The issue is how she presented it. Um, this, this wasn't, she shouldn't have presented it in a fashion of like, okay, but I'm oppressed. It ain't just you niggas. One, two, she shouldn't have presented it in the fashion of y'all gonna bring the nigga out of me as if being a nigga has some, uh, dark or evil or malicious connotation. I don't agree with that narrative and her denoting her alter ego as Shaquita, making it seem like once again, creating the stereotype that her black side is is this like dark, uh, villainous entity? I don't like that. I don't like how she phrased that at all. She could have misspoke or misrepresented her thoughts because she was so emotionally charged at that moment. But again, it made her seem very disingenuous when it came to the Black diasporic experience and not minimizing, once again, her unique experience as a biracial individual. But it doesn't have to be at the expense of the Black diasporic experience either, right? So. Uh, we need to find better ways to have these types of conversations. That's really what, what this yeah. kind of boils down to, right? She was called out about that. Did you see um, when she gave her apology? Um, I, I saw, I saw. Did you see uh, Milan Christopher's response? I did not. Oh. I did not. Yeah, I did not see the response. Whose response? Milan Christopher. So he was on the panel with mm -hmm. her. Oh, um, gotcha. Mm-hmm. Um, what did he say? Girl, effing, please, you can save those crocodile tears for the Jews and the Mexicans whose oppressions you speak so highly about. Truly. You have an ounce of remorse um, for Black lives or interest in Black history when I was speaking to you about it. Something that should have at least touched at least one half of your half Black bone marrow that was low. When I mentioned oh, Black God. people's adversities, you were rolling your eyes, smacking your lips, and telling me I'm too pro-Black. And I do think that's a thing that happens. People are often told that they are too, too much when it comes to that. And then he put, uh, now you're so sorry. You can save this charade for the weirdos who will continue to let you smack them in the face. And then they hug you when you fake cry about it, like every other typical Karen that you are, respectfully. Oh, he dragged her. <laughs> I'm gonna play, I'm, it was worth it. I'm going to play devil's advocate. Because, yes, she needs to do some work on herself. Yes, she needs to explore all of those different pieces. But putting myself in her shoes as much as I can, being constantly told that you're not enough from every different space around you has its toll. And she definitely, I'm not apologizing or covering up how she presented it because it definitely should have been different. 
She definitely could have phrased her things a lot differently. But when you're fed up, you know, stuff just comes out and it ain't right. So I, I hear that. And I just I just think that I think that her trying to prove the point of like, I've experienced oppression as well. And think about this. How many times has she sat on the opposite side of a table of somebody black who's trying to convince her that here are the black experiences and here's all this other stuff and all that. And she, I think she misdirected her anger and her I'm frustration going, I'm going to challenge on that, that platform. I'm going to challenge that, that before Please. we move on um, because he never told her that her experience was invalid. In fact, he started by um, affirming her experience, right? He he didn't say that like the biracial experience isn't a thing. Da, da, da. He didn't do all that. He affirmed her experience initially, then went on to say, however, comma, right? These are also things that are occurring. He let her get all of what she wanted off her chest. He didn't interrupt her at all. And then when he went on to speak, that's when she started the name calling, the sugar, the honey, dragging his hairline. The, she started all of this extraness. And even if this was built up frustration from previous interactions she's had with other people, it was misplaced, unwarranted and unproductive. So regardless of whether you feel and have felt slighted, if your end goal is being solution oriented, is coming up with ways we can improve upon these problems, you missed the mark gravely and insulting this man for standing up for your community because you're a black woman still and you're also black presenting right kiki white is not one of those people you'd see in the street and think she's white right and so you're also black presenting he's representing your community and you dragging him like that on air was just unacceptable it just was point blank in the period at least that's for me um but i do hear what you're saying zana is acknowledging her trauma um, and speaking of trauma, I want to like navigate us into Mariah Carey. Mariah Carey is also a biracial um, young woman. Well, she's not young anymore. I guess young in spirit. Um, she's being sued by her younger sister, y'all. She's being sued by, or not younger sister, her older sister, excuse me. Her sister is, I think, 59 and Mariah Carey is 50 or something like that. Anyway, she's being sued by her sister. In court summons filed on Monday in New York, Mariah Carey's older sister, Allison, is seeking $1.25 million, alleging that Mariah intentionally inflicted emotional distress on her with the inclusion of several stories in Mariah Carey's new tell-all memoir. Y'all know how these celebrities love these tell-all memoirs, okay? So to preface, in the memoir, Mariah states that Allison, her older sister, gave her Valium and tried to pimp her out and threw a cup of boiling hot tea on her. But her sister states that there's no evidence to substantiate this story. The court paperwork also discusses how Allison has been diagnosed with like PTSD, anxiety, and depression, and has had to seek therapy to cope with the horrific abuse she faced as a child, referring to the terrifying middle of the night satanic worship meetings uh, that their mother forced them to attend, apparently. Uh, it also cites that she has some other health conditions. So I have a few questions for y'all. Like, what are your thoughts in general about these tell-all memoirs that celebrities and other people do? Should family members be consulted prior to, like, is there an obligation you feel that the person who's creating the memoir should have to um, getting the consent to those who are, you know, discussed in the memoir? And is Mariah wrong for sharing her experience, even if that experience includes discussing her sister? So whoever wants to tackle, tap in. <laughs> um, I, well, Barbara, you and I have talked about this, um, about being able to tell our individual stories without telling other people's pieces of it from from their perspective and I think it's a fine line to answer your first question I'm always here for the tell-all book because like 
I'm broke and I like to hear about what the rich people be doing because it sounds fun and it sounds entertaining. So here we are. So there's that. I love a good autobiography. I love a good biography. Like tell me the tell me the tea. Okay, that's my favorite genre. Also, comma that when genre. you are, <laughs> give it to me. I love that. And if it's on audio books, honey, we finna have a good time. And I also believe that when you are telling your story, there's a very fine line that you have to walk with um, not telling other people's story. It's it's hard sometimes because your story includes, like you said, somebody else's. And it's very easy to include their stuff into yours because it, it rounds out the whole story. Sometimes it's hard to tell your story without telling theirs because it adds context. And that's what makes it hard. Um, also don't I don't so also with saying that I don't believe that it's right I fully stand 10 toes down that it's not right for you or anybody else to tell somebody else's story that's not yours you only can tell your story and if telling your story in so heavily includes somebody else's you need to get their permission because you will want the same respect if they were telling their story and you were included in that, in that you will want to be uh, consulted about how you are being framed and how you're being positioned in somebody else's story. Because again, we're, we're the villain in somebody's story. Sometimes we're the hero, sometimes we're the villain. And that's that. not always based in right or wrong. I hear that. I hear that. Based in that's perception. Very, very valid point, Zandy, you just made that we are sometimes the villain in someone else's story. That's that's key as well. Ty, what are your thoughts about the memoir or her sister's allegations even? I actually just want to highlight that Alice, what Allison said was there's no evidence to substantiate these claims. Allison didn't say it didn't happen. She just said there's right. no evidence to substantiate these claims, which makes me wonder. Um, I, and I guess I, this is something I am ignorant in, I thought that if you mentioned someone in your memoirs or anything like that I thought legally you had to let them know I thought that was a thing I'm not sure of all when it comes to defamation I'm not I'm not gonna add, I'm yeah. not a lawyer y'all I know that I know some things but I think it's that they have to be made aware that they're being printed but I don't think that you need their permission right but they can also then sue you for libel or defamation in return so I think that's the line that you balance there and so there's this part of me and Maybe this is just a different conversation that we need to have and unpack that when it comes to family, like families, I don't necessarily say forgiving, but I don't know. This seems like a come up to me also in terms of Alice. In terms of the sister, this feels like a come up. You said my name, I'm about to see you. Like it's no small amount, whatever. So this feels like a come up. But I I I guess I I agree with Zaina. Like you you do need permission to tell. But I also feel like if this is her story then it is her perspective. This is her perspective of the events that occurred. If you want to challenge that, then write your own book. This also isn't, if I'm not mistaken, this also isn't the first time that Mariah Carey has been in news as it relates to her family. Like, if I'm not mistaken, there's been some other things where her sister has come up in the past. I think there's been some mama things. Her sister has been dragged unfortunately, in the past because of her motherhood, her being an alcoholic, being on and off drugs. But she's attributing that to the childhood abuse and to the experiences she had growing up and how it's impacted her health or mental health long-term. But you're right, the mother has come up and the sister has come up before. 
So this is an accountability issue again. That's what I'm hearing. People aren't being held here's, accountable. Here's a question. Is her her is her mother white? Mariah? Yes, she has a white mother and a black father. Is, is her sister like her full sibling, meaning that her sister has the same parents as Mariah? Do you know that? I'm not sure, actually. I don't no, know. I, don't, I don't know why. I don't I'm think so. That, but I'm interested because it could talk so about life a- experience and then the difference of that. Because I don't think that they have the same father. Let me look. I'm. I was. I'm. I think her sister Allison is fully white. Possibly. Yeah, I'm not sure, so I can't confirm it. And I tell you, looking it up. Okay. I'm, and this has no basis to anything. I'm literally just. I don't know. I'm a very contextual person, so I just be wanting to get the context. Like, I. I can only imagine. Like, if you grew up in the household, and if what Allison is saying is true, you grew up around that. But also, like we just talked about, race matters. So, like. With Mariah, you know, having this huge talent, um, being biracial, being able to kind of play both sides. How did that play on Allison's psyche? Or maybe she grew up and she was always jealous of Mariah because of her talent. Like, maybe she'd been waiting on her moment. Like, who, who, who knows, you know, what has happened behind closed doors? I'm also sitting here thinking about um, Kobe's wife, Vanessa. Like, I think she's being sued by her mom for money like money changes people and it don't have to be your money it could be somebody else's (laughs) no you're right you are right um money does change people there are like you said context matters i don't know the details of if she's a full sibling or a half sibling um what have you found it's seeming like she is a full sibling yeah a full sibling. I love time. This investigator <laughs> face. She was like, okay, so we're going to look this up. She's a full sibling. I think the story is sad overall, right? Broken family. I think all of us have our own experiences with, with brokenness when it comes to family. And it's unfortunate. I hate that they experienced abuse at the hands of their mother. I hate that that excuse carried out and played its way out in different ways as they as they both have matured. And so I really just hope that there can be peace brought to that relationship and peace brought to that family, whatever that looks like for all the parties involved. I don't want to speculate only because I feel like I don't know enough of the sister's experience. I, I haven't read the memoir either. So I think we should look forward to more development of this story and maybe check back in with our cookout cousins as things come out about this moving forward. Um, But talking about moving forward, uh, we're seeing a difference in the way certain uh, private and charter schools are moving their curriculums forward this month. We know it's February, it's Black History Month, and we are seeing a story out of Utah, actually, where a charter school in northern Utah is allowing parents to opt students out of its Black History Month curriculum. Uh, It sparked a debate over if parents should have that option, right, if this is something that should be afforded to more parents at more schools or institutions. So Mariah Monastery Academic Director, excuse me, Micah Hirokawa, Hirokawa, I believe he's Japanese American or of some sort of Asian descent. He said on the school's Facebook page on Friday that he reluctantly sent out the letter explaining families are allowed to exercise their civil rights to not participate in Black History Month at the school. 
Uh, he did go on further to state how his discontent and how uncomfortable he is with this, given that he is a descendant of immigrants. He's not necessarily comfortable with this decision, but he does not have the um, legal standing to prevent students from opting out of what's considered um, an extracurricular curriculum. So what are you all's thoughts? <laughs> is this something that should be allowed? Ty, I see you're itching, so talk to me. Can I call him then? Can I can I call him and those parents? You can't tell American history without telling the black experience in America. It's it's not possible. It is not possible. I mean, you can do what's this new this curriculum that the occupant he's not even an occupant anymore. Um, that the previous occupant wanted to do. Like oh right, right. You can't. You, there is no way to actually educate people on America's history without including black history and actually being true truthful about black history because black people didn't just migrate here and decide to start a new life that ain't what happened so right, right. I don't know and I think it's the like there's a part of me that I, I get it like charter schools operate on money on money and funding and like that but at the end of the day again you are doing your students a disservice like you still have to be held to some type of educational standard and I don't think that's okay I love how you bring up educational standards. And I think you are highlighting my biggest point here is that African-American or black history should not be considered an extracurricular curriculum. And I think that is the root of the problem, right? It's the fact that American history as a curriculum, so this is standardized history, right? According to uh, federal uh, government governing policy does not include or interweave into that American history, black history, right? It should just be history. And I think that is his point of contention because he is very reluctant, ooh, reluctant, sorry, I can't talk, reluctant in doing this because he knows it's considered an elective, the same way students can opt out of sex ed, right? You are not forced, you are not forced to take sex ed. It is considered an elective. So parents can write into schools and say they want their kids to not take sex ed. Never in the that. Same, yeah, that and and so it's it's the same concept of these things that we consider core are not considered core when it comes to the educational system. And I think that is where we need to focus on the change. Zaina, what are your thoughts? My first thought is I hate these people. Thanks. My, my more <laughs> my, my put together thought process because here we are, we're educated people. So we're gonna use our words. My words are yesterday I was talking to a really good friend and we were just talking about, you know, how the finish line is constantly being pushed back. And I'm so frustrated and I'm so tired of the finish line being pushed back by the powers that be. This is ridiculous. Um, Black history is a part of American history, like Ty said, and being able to elect out of Black history I, if, if, if I had the power, I would be a smart ass and be like, okay, no worries. We, you can elect out of Black history. While we're in this American history class, I'm going to tell you about American history because Black people are included in that and Indigenous people are included in it. So this is not Black history, actually. This is American history. Okay, and we're going to have a test next week and get your shit together. Boom, period. Right, period. Um, I do appreciate, is it the principal you said? Um, I do appreciate yes, him direction. coming forward and saying like, this is a decision that was above me. It's above me now. Please know that these are not my personal thoughts. 
and by the way that it was worded, I, I feel that it was it's some genuineness a part of what he's saying because he's like, I myself do not believe this. Please know that these are not my personal thoughts. I just work here. And that's pretty much and basically look, I just work here. <laughs> and I would really love to quit, but like we got bills, okay? Hey, I'm I'm so sick of so. it. I'm so sick of it. And I don't even have any more formulated thoughts other than Black history is American history. And the fact that people are being given a choice to elect out of it, like it's something that's extra, it's pushing back the finish line and it's a slap in the face. Um, I'm so tired of yeah. it. And I truly yeah. believe that this wouldn't be on the docket if Black Lives Matter hadn't uh, had so much, hadn't covered so much ground in 2020 um, if the occupant hadn't um, and incited riots and a siege and overthrowing of the Capitol and all that wonderfulness, you know, I just feel like all of those things amongst a bunch of other things brought us to the, this point. And I'm, I'm sick of it. I'm truly sick of it. This is ridiculous. Yeah. I hear you, friend. I hear you, friend. I, I hate this for us, too. So we'll see how the story develops. It's it's getting a lot of national coverage now. And and we'll see if there's going to be a, a, a decision change when it comes to the governing bodies in Utah uh, and how they move forward with that. I wanted to very quickly uh, touch on an update. CBS did an interview with Jerrica Duncan, the ex-girlfriend to Chad Wheeler. We talked briefly about this on our previous episode. And I just wanted to play a very short uh, clip um, I just want to give a trigger warning for anyone who has experienced domestic violence um, that this clip could be triggering. And so if you want to skip for the next minute and a half of the podcast, please feel free to. OK, uh, so here we go. A dark place. He, um, he stood up and he told me to bow down and asked him why. And he, he didn't respond. He just told me to bow down again. And I told him no. And he he immediately grabbed my neck and that's um that's when things began do you recall what happened after that when he grabbed my neck he he threw me on the bed and um i remember looking up at him and asking him please stop chad it's me and um i just immediately knew the look in his eyes that was it Taylor, who is 5'9", says that's when Wheeler, 6'7", weighing more than 300 pounds, tried to choke her. According to Taylor, she blacked out twice before the attack was over. I had touched my face, and I looked down, and there was, there was blood on my hand. And I, I remember getting up and running to the bathroom. Chad was standing by the bed, by the doorway, and he was sipping his smoothie. And was like, wow, you're, you're still alive. Taylor says she then locked herself in the bathroom, called 911, and texted her family and Wheeler's father for help. So, yeah, that was that was chilling, very very chilling. Um, we talked briefly about this perspective, our perspectives rather, last week and Chad Wheeler, but uh, being able to hear and see the emotion in that interview, you know, what are y'all's your thoughts? I truly commend her for going on television and telling her story. Um, <clears throat> she's helped a lot of people just by coming forward and telling her piece. And I do think that a part of 
um, the visual as well as the audio of seeing her as she's explaining her own story. Um, it's very similar to when I was watching like the R. Kelly documentaries. It's like, you've been hearing these stories for so long, but when you hear you know, someone who has been subjected to some type of brutality tell their own story, it, it hits different. And I hate that she had to go through this, um, but I, I, I appreciate that she's getting backing from what it seems like media outlets. Um, the NFL is going to NFL every time, so you never know what's going to happen with them. But I love that she was able to come forward um, and tell her story because I think it's important. I, I just hope that Chad is not able to, for lack of a better word, heisman his way out of being held responsible. Um, maybe he does have mental health issues and I don't want to over, I don't want to um, look over that. Also, this story don't sound like it's all connecting to what he's saying. Like, you did that. What's the reason? We don't know. Yeah, definitely. Ty, what, what are your thoughts after hearing her speak? Um, I want justice for Leah. I truly want justice for Leah. I think Jarka did a, a great job in this interview and preparing, providing a safe space for her to really talk and also share like why it was important for her yeah. to be out there. Because like, I, I watched the whole interview um, yeah. to be there to show up in court and to speak against it. Um, yeah, and I think just by her saying, because they asked, did, they, did she think this part was just a part of his manic episode? Because she is aware that he has bipolar disorder. She said, you know what is it? She said, no, because he was very different mm -hmm. with her than how he was with the police. And so that level of cognizance is like, I think, telling yeah. about what was there. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, we, we are just gonna give a lot of light, peace and energy to her as she processes and continues to heal. And um, we just wanna cover her as she continues to tell her story and bring light to a very dark uh, situation that a lot of people, persons, women, children have experienced, men even have experienced at the hands of domestic violence. Uh, very quickly, I want to talk about a bill that was introduced. I wanted to bring it up because it's currently uh, going to be brought before Senate and it's going to happen before we talk to our cookout cousins in the next two weeks. So there was a bill introduced in the Tennessee General Assembly, shout out to Zaina's home state, this week that would allow a man who gets a woman pregnant to request an injunction barring her from having an abortion. So the legislation SB0494 in the Senate and HB1079 in the House would require a court hearing to be held within 14 days of that petition being filed by the individual seeking an injunction. So basically at this hearing, if the man can prove that he is the biological father and that there is a reasonable probability that the woman will obtain an abortion, the court will actually issue an injunction that prohibits her from terminating the pregnancy. So proof of parenthood only requires that the petitioner acknowledge paternity, basically the man saying, I am the father. A DNA test is not required. If the woman violates that injunction by obtaining an abortion, the court may hold her in civil or criminal contempt. There is no exceptions for rape or incest that was introduced into this legislation. Um, and this legislation is currently being sponsored by state senator Mark Pody and state representative Jerry Saxton, both Republicans. So what are you all's thoughts? This is just another way for people to try to control women's bodies. I'm sick of this shit. I'm sick of this. Also, 
my initial thought process or my initial question was, okay, if a man is like, you know, this is my child, assuming that it was consensual and we were in a relationship and I got pregnant or whatever, he takes me to court. He says, you know, this is my child. He proves it. The court rules in his favor. Okay, what happens next? Like after the, if I decided that I, you know, didn't feel like I was fit to be a mother at the time, I don't want to have the child for whatever reason. What happens after that? Like after the child is born, do we have another court hearing to like, he, does he get legal custody? Like, is there automatic child support? Like <clears throat> what happens after that? Are we just done with the court system or what? Because I also wonder, does this decision can this decision hold precedent for future cases? So say if the father gets upset at me and he wants to say that I'm an unfit mother and we go to court, can he bring this up and say, she didn't even want the child. She wanted to kill the child. Can that be used against me in court in a case? Like, I'm just wondering how my body is going a bunch of different ways. Well, if if this were if this were to come to pass, it would be considered new legislation that got passed, and and so yes, it would in a sense set presidents. Now, I don't think this is going to get passed one because the Democrats control both the House and the Senate. Amen. However, however, just the fact that it is being yes. introduced is interesting. Zaina, you brought up a point that I want to touch on very briefly because we're we're going to move forward. Is that there is a double standard that this could create? I also think it it talks, it, it brings to, to light the dialogue about men who do not want children that women decide to carry to full term and whether they should be held financially responsible for that child or not. And I think that it's a very valid conversation to have on both sides of the field, right? Is if a man does not want to have a child and the woman decides she wants to carry this, that said child to term, should the man be held financially responsible for the child? I don't think that the man should be. That's my personal opinion. If you have a dialogue and it's established that the man does not want that child. Now, if you have a dialogue and it's established that the woman does not want that child, but the man does want that child, should the woman consider carrying the, the baby to term and the man taking full custody and there be no child support from the woman's side as well? I agree with that too. I do think there's a difference just because women carry babies, right? Because we are the ones that have to go through the, the changes that come with it, the risk that comes with it, the life altering and life and damaging, sometimes life terminating experiences that come from birth. And so the, the, the conversation looks different from the female perspective than does the male. But I think that the argument is the same. If either adult that consented to sex does not want to move forward with a pregnancy. I don't think the other parent should be financially responsible. I don't. So Ty, what are your thoughts about the legislation or the perspective I just brought up? Oh yeah, no, this is foolish. This is foolish to me. This is, first of all, men, why are you, men trying to control women's bodies? I, this has, it has nothing to do with you. Who, it has nothing to do with you. What goes here, it has nothing to do with you. Right. Um, and I think you raise a valid point. Like this is this is a double standard. This can't be allowed to pass. I'm sorry, it can't. Yeah. For sure, for sure. And I and I don't think it will. I do want to make you all aware, definitely in Tennessee, you all need to know what your state representatives are bringing to the floor. You all need to be aware of what your senators are bringing to the floor, the things that they're sponsoring, so that you all vote more responsibly the next go round 
or who represents your interests. Um, and finally, we're gonna end with our one gotta go. So in honor of the real Cinderella, okay, the Rogers and Hammerstein version with Brandy and Whitney making its way to Disney Plus, we are going to do a two gotta go Disney edition, okay? So here are the ones to consider. The Incredibles, A Bug's Life, Mary Poppins, A Goofy Movie, Finding Nemo, Hercules, and Toy Story, okay? Of those, y'all have to pick two that are gone forever. Forever. Okay, what are y'all thinking? I'm always ready when I'm ready. <laughs> I'm ready. Okay, well, Ty, Zayna went first last time, so Ty, give me your first one. Um, my first one, A Bug's Life. What? I can do without it. A Bug's Life? Yeah, I can. I can do without it. Of the very few Disney movies I was allowed to watch growing up, A Bug's Life was one of them, and it was literally life-changing. Well, um, it didn't have to do with witchcraft or sorcery or witches or, like, anything like that. It was, like, uh, under the uh, realm of STEM, right? Animals... So it was one of the few ones I could watch. And A Bug's Life was so dope. I learned so many life lessons from that Ant movie. I'm not going to lie. Not Ant movie. Bugs, it's because you couldn't watch movie. the other one. Bug movie. It's because you couldn't watch the other one. But okay, so you say Bug's Life, fine. Uh, Zayna, what's popping. your first? What? Bump me up, cancel. Get the Mary out. Poppins. Get the nah, out. Nah, nah, nah. Get nah, out. Because I'm here for Mary. Period. What? A spoonful of didn't. sugar? Makes the medicine go okay. round. Come on, Ty. We were it didn't resonate with me. It didn't resonate with me. I'm sorry. It's my final answer. It didn't, it didn't, it didn't hit me. We're gonna have to put Zayna at the table with uh DJ Luke Nasty. Nasty That's fine, honey. You gonna send the That's time out fine. for that one. I'm not with it. I will stand no matter Y'all ain't getting no lasagna, no green. Ooh. <laughs> Make your choices wisely. Really? I will say if I had to get rid of one, it would my first one would be a goofy movie. Now you out of pocket. What? You're out of pocket. You're out of pocket. Goofy movies. If we listen to each other. Uh-uh. 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 They didn't need no um, I'm sorry. It was a good movie. It was cute. I see Come what on. they tried to do. It just, it's something right. that I don't, I don't think I'd ever watch again. I don't. And I have a, talks about a single dad trying to make it do what Period. Y'all hating? Okay, and A Bug's Life was talking about an oppressed community that had to come together to overpower their oppressor. What are you saying? Uh, it's too heavy for childhood. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's too heavy. But the single dad narrative is it. All it right. resonates with it. Oh, you know he was black. Okay. You know he was black. Y'all just want to put race on everybody. All right. Because race has, has, it has to do with everything. I have a friend that will like die behind a goofy movie. Like I know people who stand in the way they stand single. Movie. They stand a goofy movie. And I'm just goofy like, all right. yeah. Okay, so Ty, what's your second mm-hmm. one? Toy Story. Okay. So really, y'all, I'm gonna be a single co-host moving forward. <laughs> For the next episode, you're just going to be hearing my voice alone. And I'm going to Allison your ass. <laughs> because my friends have actually lost their living minds today. Listen, toy Story? I mean, it was it was straight. Like, it I was Woody. Right. We're talking about toy. 
did you didn't cry when they when they almost died in Toy Story 4? I did almost cry, but also The Incredibles, Finding Nemo, Hercules, Hercules. Hercules, okay, Hercules, Hercules ain't going nowhere. Hercules ain't going nowhere. Hercules ain't going nowhere. But Toy Story? Yeah, it came. All right, whatever, sis. Zaina, what you got? Toy Story. <laughs> Yes. Both, both of y'all birds can go fly away. <laughs> oh my god! What's your second one? Y'all birds you can fly away. My, I feel like your second one is gonna. It's try gonna it. be The Incredibles. What? The Incredibles was an okay movie. I'm not gonna say it wasn't great. Like it had its moment, but not to the degree of Toy Story. What Toy Story taught people what friendships look like, <sighs> tra- life transitions, like family can get out of here the incredibles they had superpowers one could stretch and one could run i love it but i also feel like barbie you're looking at this from adult eyes and not childhood eyes i'm definitely definitely, i I know but i'm definitely making my decision off of nostalgia and not like this is what i learned from mary like no it's like when I, you know what I'm saying, a goofy movie, yes. Hercules. This is how I viewed these movies as a kid, though. I found them so amazing. So you've been you've been a weird kid your whole life, huh? A whole Like life. you've been 187 IQ your whole life. I ain't gonna do this with y'all. Zayna inside, <laughs> Zayna then got rid of Toy Story and Mary Poppins, and she's going to sit in a, at a table by herself, actually, at the kitty table. And Ty is going to join her for a 30-minute timeout session because she got rid of Toy Story 2. Um, I can't get with it. I can't get with it. So for y'all, me, y'all, The Incredibles is gone and a goofy movie um, is gone. Hercules, I stand Hercules. That is the music. I mean, yeah. come on. Classic. It is a classic. classic. Um, Finding Nemo, classic classic it is. so okay y'all that was it that's it for me uh zayna what's going on in these twitter streets okay so we already talked about gorilla glue girl that's mainly what all the people is talking about but there is a twitter question that i want to pose to y'all to get your response on so Mm -hmm. what could you talk about for 30 minutes with no preparation and when i say talk about you got you got um evidence you know you can argue your point for 30 minutes oh. 30 minutes easy you want to go first time here my dissertation easy ah okay no no easy money post-traumatic oh. slave syndrome and african-american emerging adults let's talk about, oh, let's talk about why these kids That's are experiencing what? any type of neurotoxins put it on about. the table <laughs> We can talk exactly. pesticides, water contamination, exactly. vaccinations. We can talk all day, baby girl. No professional stuff. No professional okay, no stuff. <laughs> That's too easy. Cause no I can sit here and talk stuff. about the social sciences with my eyes closed, and See? I I just got this smoke of blood, and I'm drunk. I could talk about Period. that for an hour. Period. Okay. Okay. Doesn't count. We're Something here. else. Um. No professional. Stuff. No, nothing professional. Okay, scripture. It scripture you could talk about the scripture i could bible. talk scripture i could talk bible mm, actually mm-hmm. let me back up because you said with enough evidence and are we talking to or against someone who is also a scholar or like knowledgeable in that era like in that arena uh yeah okay so i take that back okay. because true bible scholars will probably drag me they have a lot more knowledge than i have i'm knowledgeable about scripture but they be 
knowledgeable they about be scripture. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'm going to take that back. I'm going to take that back. Jasmine Sullivan. Come on! I want you to Jasmine know that I, I asked y'all this question and I did not have an answer for myself, okay? But I'm working on it as we are <laughs> thinking through it. Jasmine Sullivan, you could talk about her life, career. I could talk her life story, everything. her career, her being underrated, all of her music, okay. her long-term goals. I've watched every single interview on okay. um, Al Gore's internet. Um, yeah, definitely Jasmine Sullivan. And politics. I think I could argue a lot of people yeah. down when it comes to politics because I'm pretty okay. well informed. Yeah. I'm here for it. Um, Ty, what you, what you think? Maybe uh, the importance of building and maintaining family traditions. Ooh, okay. Yeah, you're really passionate about family traditions. I am <laughs> really passionate about that. I guess it's not professional. It's like personal. It's not. Thank it's you. It's not professional. Okay, what you got, Zaina? Um, wow, living single. I can talk about that <laughs> for thirty minutes. I can give you seasons, probably give you episode ranges, storylines, um, costumes, hair. Speaking of living single, our cookout cousins dragged me last week. As y'all. they should. For me getting rid of as they should, because it was disrespectful. I got dragged. It was. Have you have you have you been uh, brought into the light? No, I still (laughs) feel the same way about this single. I think the show was problematic, but I think it it's still a part of our culture. But I can do without it. I'm sorry, y'all. It's the single living for me. Okay, I love living. Uh, do Kyle and Max ever get together? Like the at the end, girl? yeah, they have a baby. Ew, I missed that. Yeah, and yes, you should have because. It, it's what Okay, you also. Live. Also, one of our cookout cousins asked us to invite Gunica to the cookout this week. I forgot to bring that up at the beginning of the episode. And I'm trying to figure out why we're inviting Gunica. Uh, why are we inviting Gunica? Why not? <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, well, I do like I do like me a little bit of Monica. I want okay. Monica and Gunica. I, I love Monica. I stand Monica. I but I love her definitely as a person, even more than an artist. Mm-hmm. Like I just I love her personality. I love her disposition. I love, you know, her loyalty and her, you know, forthcoming nature. I love that. Like she's she's good TV. Okay, well if you're gonna invite Gunica, I'm inviting Ashanti. That's fine. Shanti can come. Yes, that's fine with me. And Keisha Cole. Yeah. I like Ashanti. Keisha Cole can come. Keisha Cole, you invited. Why Keisha Cole coming? I thought you said she's gonna Keisha. show up late and she's gonna show up drunk and high. Yeah, I mean, but that's a <laughs> but that's a good time. You remember? That's the auntie. You remember that week? Uh, Ty, I invited somebody. And she he, she was like, okay, I know they problematic, but it's gonna be a good time. And I, oh, future, because we I know we're like, gonna bring a different shit every cookout. Okay, she's not even gonna bring nothing. She's gonna be one of the people who show up with a no, Hennessy bottle and not let nobody something. drink. She'll be <laughs> she'll be late, but she'll bring something. Okay, all right. Even if it's like, just ice, because you know halfway through the cookout we ain't got no ice. People play one to bring. Don't sign up for ice. Don't sign up for utensils. Paper plates. Paper plates. But we need them though. Okay, but you need to bring that in a dish. You you cannot just bring utensils. Barbara, you got too many stipulations for your, your cookout. I don't like that. <laughs> yeah, right. Because you the one signed up to bring fork. But exactly. I'm, also bringing, bring I'm fork. also bringing a good time. Okay. So here she go. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, I have one other Twitter um, question. Y'all ready? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. 
think about a first date where you have to do an excursion or some type of activity. What is that excursion or activity? First date, you're trying to get to know the person. What would that be for you? Shopping. That's not an excursion. It's an activity. It's not the activity I'm talking about. <laughs> Why are you being like this? Going to the <laughs> So you're saying it's a first date and it has to be a unique way to get to know someone? Yeah, so you know how first dates people say like, I want to do team building type of stuff. I want to do like things where you can really get to know the person outside of like going to a dinner and a movie where y'all, you know, you talk at dinner maybe, but you're not talking at the movie. Like something where you have to go out and actually do an activity. What What would your activity of choice be? That's not shopping and buying stuff. Please don't take me to a movie. Please. I hate dates at the movies. Please don't take me. Unless you feed me at the movie too. But don't worry. Dinner in the movie is a classic date. So I'm not going to discount that. But for this question, it's not, it's not a viable answer. I would say uh, one of two things. If it's very, very unique and I want a way to see how the person is without it being traditional, volunteering. So, hey, I'm going down to the homeless shelter this week. Uh, I'd love for you to join me. I think it's a good way for us to talk. I see how you interact with people in different circumstances, different situations, and it's less casual. So I don't have to dress up and be fancy. You don't have to drop no money. But I think it's a good way for us to to build. I love it. I didn't think about that. I love that. Ty, have you gotten yourself together? (laughs) Um... I like, so I like doing stuff. So I like skating. I like like going for walks, mm-hmm. uh, like going for walks and hikes. Um, and I like dancing. Okay, so hiking. For like a first date thing. Yeah, maybe like a hike because then you can talk and walk. And, and you get frustrated. You know, we don't have to be pushing ourselves. You get frustrated halfway yeah. up and you're like, okay, fuck this and you, thanks. But it's, it, I can see how you are when you're frustrated. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you can see how I am when I'm frustrated. I hear you. Listen. Um, I think for me, I would want to do some type of the best way to get to know me and the best way I can get to know you if we do some type of like relay thing. Like we're doing something that's physical where we have to be on the same team. And I tend to date people who are very competitive. So like I can see how you are when you are like frustrated because I'm not running fast enough, because like fuck you. And <laughs> yeah, like I think that'll be good. I also think some type of activity where he has to teach me and like you know what I'm saying I'm not always the most teachable person you have to be patient with me and you have to pat me on my back and stuff so like that will help me understand like how he teaches and how he you know levels with me a person that he says that he likes so like I think that that would those would be my two choices okay. boom boom so that's what the Twitter has to offer for today, other than our wonderful Gorilla Glue friend. <clears throat> May she go on in heavenly bliss. Um, she's not dead, but I want her to live in the most heavenly way on earth because, wow, what a life. Okay, Ty, we ready to go off. It's on you. I'll be waiting for this segment just so I can get stuff off my chest. Um. Do y'all, do y'all actually like this segment? Because I, I like to be able to get stuff off my chest because then I just leave it here. Like, because once I, once I say it here, I'm done and I just go do what I got to do. <laughs> this is my... Um, all right. So let's start with Dr. Barb. What's your beef this week? 
I have a few and it's all over the place. I'm gonna make it as brief as I can, y'all. Um, my first beef are with the Dems, okay, the Democratic Party. Y'all know I have no party allegiances and I have no problem holding anybody accountable. Um, I have some beef with the way that they navigated this Marjorie Taylor Greene situation. Um, I think it's setting precedent for how things are going to go when we are not in control of the House and the Senate. And I think we need to tread very lightly with interfering in party affairs. I would have much rather preferred them work within the Republican Party to get them to remove her from her um, committee seats rather than us voting to remove her from committee seats because I can see in the future this coming back to bite us in the tush. Just remember that Barb said that. Next, the stock market. Okay, y'all, listen, I dibble and dabble in day trading to make me some coin you know what i'm saying we're we're working towards financial independence and i had a really great week of making money when i say a great week a great week y'all i was up around 800 or so dollars just buying options flipping stocks and it was going great until tesla decided to be the spawn from satan okay and i just want to let y'all know that tesla has literally taken all of and then some the amount i have flipped in the market this week so i really just want to stick my middle finger up to tesla y'all can suck a big dick choke on it twice um and that's really that on that on that i'm gonna move on rape apologists okay i have beef with y'all we all should have beef with y'all but really i'm gonna talk about it from the black uh, greek letter organization standpoint recently a lot of heat has um come out about my alma mater the norfolk state university the baddest hbcu on the land okay behold the green and gold sis don't even talk about what them cook me you this, half a second this, we finna move on this because I knew I knew she was finna try. I knew it was coming. About, I was waiting. Anybody worry about nothing in Florida? Like that whole <laughs> state. We could just chop that whole state and like ship it off to sea. Just look at her, look at top. Look at top I'm mad that you said chop it off and just let it drill. I'm, That's dark. Just let it, I'm gonna let you finish. I'm gonna let you finish, but just know that the Great Bethel Cookman University is the best HBCU, period. Thank you. Okay, that was cute. So Anyway, um, there were several young ladies that have come forward about sexual assault they've experienced at the hands of several different members of different organizations. Their stories uh, went somewhat viral, at least viral to the, to the larger Virginia community. And because the person who's done it has been accused of doing this at this point to about 15 or 20 different women who've come forward since we were all in undergrad. Anyway, under these posts, more women were coming forward about their experiences with other men and other organizations and a particular alpha, yeah, I'm calling the alphas out, y'all can drag me, I don't care, decided to go underneath her post where she discussed being violated by three men at an alpha member's house stating that she was thirsty. We all knew what type of time she was on an undergrad. You knew what it was. Pause. What I will not tolerate and whenever I see it is anybody um, trying to weaponize someone's sexuality, weaponizing someone's consensual sexual experiences in an effort to discredit their assault. I'm not here for it. So I dragged his ass up and down the Facebook streets and I'll do it again and I don't care. Um, I do not condone that period. I don't care if a woman has consent consensually slept with a million men, those were all consensual and what she does with her vagina is none of my business, nor 
or is it yours? Unless you're one of the men she said yes to. But the moment she said no, or the moment she was not able to consent, all of us should have a problem with that, including you. Also, you're a man before you're an alpha. You're a black man before you're an alpha. And if your first mind tells you to defend alpha before protecting black women, fuck you. All right, because let me be clear that I'm a woman before I'm a Zeta and there will never be a time that Zeta will come before my womanhood or someone else's womanhood and I defend Zeta before I defend someone else's personhood. I think that is absolutely unacceptable moving forward. Advanced Auto Parts got me fucked up. So I recently changed services. I know I'm all over the place, y'all, from Sprint to Verizon, all right? Advanced Auto Parts is a UPS uh, what they call access points. So it's a place you can drop off your UPS packages early in the morning when UPS ain't open. Verizon gave me this free uh, little iPhone 12, okay? And I had to turn in my previous iPhone 8 Plus. We're not gonna talk about the fact that I had that phone for all these years, y'all. Don't worry about it. Moral of the story is they were taking the phone back, giving me the credit, so I got this new phone. UPS claims that they did not receive the package from the access point. Verizon emailing me asking about their funds, talking about some sis, we ain't received that phone back. So we're going to have to charge you back that credit pause because you're not getting this 850 from me. I had to roll up on advanced auto parts like, listen here, Thomas. Okay. I handed you my package. You remember me from Monday? Yes. Okay. I need you to find that package because if you don't find it, we're going to have an issue. Thomas proceeded to tell me y'all that they don't keep a backlog of packages after they scan it. That's it. What you mean? That's it. That's a lie. What type of business model that's is a that? Lie. That cannot be true. In 2021, Zaina. that's not true. Zaina. How are you protecting your business if you have no proof that you handed that package off to UPS and UPS is claiming they never picked that package up from you? You're a dud. Okay, so yes, y'all, I had to be a Karen. I'm sorry. I had to do it. And I had to get people involved. And guess what they did? They located that package. Yes, they did. Somehow in the back of that store. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. And it was then sent off to UPS. All is well in the world. Moral of the story is try Jesus, don't try me. All right. Barbara, I'm Hi. telling y'all for everyone who is listening and who is under the sound of my voice, yes, church. Mm-hmm. Barbara is the person <laughs> that you want to have advocating for you in any space. That lady gets it done. Do you hear me? Period. That lady Period. gets it done. And I want y'all to know that I got my my finger on my ear like Mariah Carey when she hit them <laughs> high notes because I want you to hear me. The lady gets it <laughs> done every time. And we love it. Like the only the only thing frustrating for me is when she's trying to coach me on how to get it done. And I'm like, I don't have these skills. Like that's not, <laughs> I don't have the gift for this. And I hear what you're saying. Also, when I get on the phone with these people, I'm going to fold because here we are. <laughs> like that's only so far I can go. Here we are. But anyway, I love that. This is like true barber fashion. Period. Okay, Zayna, what, what how are you feeling? Okay, so my rant is very quick and very efficient. Um, I would just like to know what what does it take to have a president in peace? Like, how far does the person have to go to get impeached? Um, do they have to be, um, you know, that you've done co- a corruption, you've uh, messed with votes, uh, you have grabbed people by the pussy, allegedly, um you have incited uh racism and riots and and homegrown terrorists um you have you know called out the previous president's um legitimacy of of citizenship what i mean what will it take 
what what do what has to happen in order for the president to get impeached? I didn't pay much attention in school because shout out to Humboldt High School. I love y'all, but we were so far behind the curriculum. It didn't fucking matter. Okay. None of it mattered. But the little bit that I did learn, I was told that there were processes that were put in place and the president can only go so far. Well, since 2016, I have been stood corrected on many levels. I'm just so frustrated and I'm so tired of hearing about this person. I'm so tired of being subjected to the BS. And I'm tired of people who have been elected into their government positions advocating for him and protecting him. It's also pissing me off that people are falling like flies. Now they're condemning him. But when you had the opportunity to condemn him in a space that really mattered, you were quiet and you didn't say shit. Now that that the book has passed and he's left you high and dry, now you want to condemn him. Now you want to say this, now you want to say that. I'm also throwing Van Jones under the bus because what was the reason, sir? Like, pick a side. Are you left twigs or white, uh, right twigs? Like, I can't understand what you got going on. I'm just so, I'm, I'm pissed. And this country hasn't been here for me the way it has been here for white privileged males or white people in general. But a part of me still has hope and a part of me still is patriotic to a point. And a part of me still believes that like, okay, y'all have processes and procedures put in place. When do you follow them? Like when, when does that even matter to you? And it goes back to what I said earlier of like the finish line is, is constantly being pushed back. You say that this is the procedure and this is the protocol. And it's like, okay, we get, we get that, we follow that. And now the result is still something different because you've changed it along the way. Like suck a dick, okay? And I hope it's little and I hope that it's sick because I'm sick of it. This is bullshit. What will it take for the president to be impeached? He's not even in the office anymore. This should be easy. It should be a regular case. Okay. Where's Judge Mathis? Judge Judy? Where's Johnny Good Cochran? Night. Good night, Zaina. Okay. Where's Kamala right. Harris? Where are the Bye. people? Where is, uh? what was the other guy? The first black, uh, what's his name? What's the man? He's a lawyer. Black history. Not just okay, call him too. There's another Frederick guy, Bert, no, oh, Frederick. Yes, that's a great person. That's <laughs> who I'm talking about. He he was a part of the um separate but equal lawyer. He was a head person. Oh my god. Lawyer, y'all know who this man is. Think back. Civil rights movement. Like how far back? Civil rights movement, 60s. Y'all gonna do me like that. I don't, I don't, my mind is blank right now. It's also still. Because I don't know right who you're talking about. Go ahead, Tom. I'm trying to figure out who you're talking about. The lawyer. He's a lawyer, a, a civil rights movement. He was um, on the case of board versus uh, board of education. He. Clarence Thomas? No. No. No, 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 no. You're okay, naming a, so I'm many people and she's saying no to all. Lawyer in Brown versus Board versus Board. Yes. 
Thurgood Marshall. Oh, Marshall. Girl. Marshall. Girl. 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 Okay. You know what? I'm not coming back. You I'm not coming back anyway back. after you got rid of Toy Story. Go ahead. Uh okay, Barbara. <laughs> don't worry about it. Because when you choose violence, I'm gonna choose. <laughs> you do that. Period. Ty, what you ran about? Because Barbara's already on thin ice. I'm still not over this living thing. Um, mine has just been about a week. Listen, listen. I keep saying that there's a part of me that wants to go back to school and go ahead and cop a side real quick. Um, but helping someone write this paper, I never want to go back. Also, this paper is about uh, law enforcement and how they can better relations within the community of people of color. Y'all, this paper so triggering. <laughs> Y'all, <laughs> I have, and you like you, we know things about law enforcement in the past, but to go back and to document it and to, y'all, I'm so triggered with this paper. Like, so triggered. I'm, this is This has been my lesson. You can't help everybody on everything because some topics just ain't for you, sis. They're not for you. You're too passionate about certain things. This and this one, I'm about to have to tap out. This one ain't for me. But that's that on that on that. Um, cousins, it's been great talking to you all. We're about to close out with a good motivational quote. Yes, yes. Some words of affirmation this week are going to come from Dr. Thema. Y'all know I also love Dr. Thema. Her podcast is amazing. If you don't listen to it, please go check it out. Also her on social media, Dr. Thema on all of the social media handles. Anyway, first thought, shift into self-compassion. You're not unproductive. You're living through a pandemic. So breathe. Um, This is real. I've been dealing with a season of struggling with productivity and reminding myself that there is a lot going out in the world, going on, excuse me, in the world, y'all. And it's okay if you need a moment to just sit still, breathe, and do nothing. Um, I also want to read two more things that she posted because they resonated with me. May you have the courage, confidence, faith, and support to close the doors you need to close. I also think this is a season of transition for a lot of people. And so just sending you tons of light and love as you get the strength and the courage to make those necessary cuts or edits or changes to your life. Um, And then finally, some will try to cast you in a role that will drain you refuse to play the part. Um, I think this is also echoing that same sentiment sentiment that um, you are the captain of your own ship. So make sure you are navigating and guiding yourself in a way that speaks to your values and not that speak to others. Uh, And with that, that's another week, y'all. We will see y'all in a few weeks. Peace and light. See you soon, cousins. Okay, out. out.